Good morning, Sherwood Oaks. It's good to see you this morning. Glad that you uh, that you made it out. You are uh, officially uh, more enduring than the community that we moved here from. If I uh, was back home, back in uh, Northern Virginia, where we moved here from, and a little snow happened like happened this morning, there'd be sheer panic, and there'd be nobody here. And so, thanks for being a little tougher uh, than uh, what I'm used to, and uh, being here. I did miss all the snow earlier because we were in here during uh, the eight o'clock or eight thirty snow. So, I'm hoping it does it again later. So, happy New Year to you this morning. My name is Jim Clark. In case you're wondering who this guy is. Um, I have the privilege and the opportunity to bring the message this morning, and I'm excited to do that. Um, And so if you're wondering who this guy is, it's a perfectly natural question. My family and I moved to Bloomington in early August. I am Sherwood Oaks's Director of Communications along with my team. I take care of all of our uh, digital and print media. So our website, uh, social media, uh, uh, the uh, emails and postcards and graphics and things that uh, communicate to you what's happening here uh, are generated from my team. And so uh, I wanted to share a little bit about myself so you'd have a little bit of an idea of who I am as we jump in this morning. I've been in ministry for over 20 years. We moved to Bloomington from outside of uh, Washington, D.C. in a Northern Virginia area, outside the Beltway. And uh, my wife and I, Jackie, have been married for 18 years. We have two awesome kids. Uh, Miles is eight years old, and he is a third grader at at, uh, Edgewood in Ellisville. And uh, my daughter, Micah, is five years old, and uh, she is all the sass of that picture right there. And so... Um, she is uh, one sassy five-year-old, um, and she is um, she is awesome. So, but she missed the con- she missed the kindergarten cutoff by about a month, and so uh, she gets a lot of that sass uh, out at home, which is awesome for my wife. I've been in ministry uh, all over. Uh, I started out in youth ministry and moved into this role in the church that I served in Virginia. I grew up in southeastern Ohio in a small town that you've never heard of, so I won't bother you with that detail. But uh, I graduated from Milligan College. In, uh, in Johnson City, Tennessee, and I, uh, I have a master's degree from Lincoln Christian Seminary in Lincoln, Illinois. And while I was at Milligan, I picked up a nickname. Does anybody in the room have a nickname? Had a nickname growing up? You had a nickname? Few people got some nicknames. Yeah, I, I uh, at Milligan picked up a nickname, and uh, um, for, uh, for years and years, this was the nickname that I went by. And as most nicknames, it seems, uh, usually are attached to us, uh, and they're usually attached to us by other people. And so most people at Milligan called me Slim. When I stepped on the scale this morning, the scale didn't call me Slim, but all my friends at Milligan called me Slim going through, uh, going through my time there. Isn't that kind of the way nicknames go? My dad's nickname growing up was Slab, and my mom's nickname growing up was Homer. And so usually nicknames start out as something not all that flattering, right? Usually it's, you know, a piece of beef jerky that we begin to call somebody by, um, and it just kind of sticks and just kind of hangs around. And nicknames, but nicknames kind of have their way of working themselves into being something a little bit more familiar. While they're not ultimately flattering at the beginning, they begin to become familiar and friendly. Most people, if you ask people at Milligan College that were there from 1995 to 1999, did you know a guy named Jim Clark? Probably a lot of people at Milligan, that name might not ring a bell. You might go, ah, maybe I kind of remember or something like that. But if you said, do you remember Slim? There's a good chance there'd be some people at Milligan go, oh yeah, I remember that guy. And isn't that kind of the way nicknames are? 
Slim wasn't particularly flattering, but it was friendly. This week, as we're in week 17 of Core 52, we're going to jump from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And so Mark Moore is going to introduce us to one of Jesus' favorite nicknames for himself. We're going to look at the book of Daniel. And so if you've got a Bible with you this morning or your Bible app there in, on your phone, I'd love for you to get that out. Turn over to Daniel chapter 7 because Daniel is going to introduce us to the Son of Man. Most people are familiar with Daniel. If we were to talk through, while you're flipping over there, if we were to talk through Daniel, a lot of people recognize some of the stories of Daniel. We would recognize Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace, maybe the lion's den, but most of us stop remembering the content of Daniel at chapter seven. Now, why is that? Because chapter seven through chapter 12 is a different kind of content than chapters one through six. And we don't really have time to dig into that. It's apocalyptic literature, which is a different genre. It's a little bit harder to read. It's about visions and future and beasts and dragons and symbols and lots of things that are, that are intended for, not just for us, but also for the people who originally heard them. And we're not necessarily gonna dig into that this morning. But most of us, when we read, you know, we've read up through chapter six, if you've done a reading through the Bible in a year plan, which some of us have probably already started and failed at this point on January the 2nd. But if you've done one of those and you read through, you get to chapter six and you're like, okay, I'm great. You turn into chapter seven and you're like, I have no idea what's happening. And that's okay. But we're gonna pick up this, we're gonna pick up the story here in Daniel chapter seven. And in the midst of this chapter, in the midst of this chapter, Daniel's talking about He's talking about beasts, he's talking about horns, he's talking about this ancient of days, and we don't have a lot of time to dig into all the meaning behind that this morning. But then, in verse 13, we pick up Mark's core verse for this week. Look at what Daniel says. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man. And he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom and all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. 107 times in the Old Testament, the, the phrase son of man is used. Of those 107 References, 93 of them are in one book. They're in the book of Ezekiel. And most of those references are to Ezekiel. And they're not used as a compliment. They were an insult. Like, uh, oh, you're just human. You're just a son of man. You're just a, a human being. Why is this reference different than the other 106 references to the son of man in the Old Testament? This reference is the only reference to Son of Man in the Old Testament where the recipient appears to receive what's God's. That if you look through this vision, and we're not gonna dig into it this morning, but as you read through this vision, you'll see that this Ancient of Days is pictured as God, and God gives the Son of Man his power, his authority, and his glory. And that's the only place in the Old Testament where the Son of Man receives that kind of title. Now, as we're stepping out of the Christmas season, Jesus' arrival on the scene is very fresh on our minds. Jesus, as he begins his ministry, chooses to adopt this nickname, Son of Man, for himself. Now, why? 
why would Jesus choose to use this title 81 times, written 81 recorded times in the New Testament? Why would Jesus choose this title for himself, this nickname more than any other nickname in the Bible? I believe for this reason. Jesus wants to identify with us, with our humanity. Jesus isn't making a statement in opposition to his divinity. He isn't saying that he isn't God. He's making an addition statement. He's saying he's adding something to his divinity. There's a big Bible term here that you can look up on your own. You can spend some time with it if you want to. It is this term, hypostatic union. And basically what the term means is it means that Jesus was fully God and fully man at the same time, indivisible. That you couldn't separate the God from the man, that they were intrinsically connected together. Fully God, fully man, son of man, Jesus taking on flesh to become the author and perfecter of our faith. Sounds like a big feat. Sounds almost impossible. Today is January 2nd. Anybody make any New Year's resolutions this year? Anybody want to admit to making it? A couple of people. This is awesome. First service, I, I asked this question and they looked at me like I had three heads. Most of us don't like New Year's resolutions. Most of us, I don't call them resolutions. I'm a, I'm a big goal person. But it seems like New Year's resolutions, New Year's goals, it's kind of fallen out of vogue. When I was growing up 30 or 35 years ago, it seemed like New Year's resolutions, maybe it was just in my family, but it seems like New Year's resolutions was a bigger deal. Everybody was always asking, what are you doing? What are you resolving? What are you planning on working on? And I think it's kind of a natural thing. Even if we don't want to admit it in the room, I think most of us would look back over 2021 and say, yeah, there are some things about me that I wish were different. There are some things about me that I wish I could change. I wish I didn't eat this. I wish I didn't do this. I wish I didn't work out this way or not work out this way. But I think the reality for a lot of us is with resolutions, maybe a day, maybe a couple of days, a week, a month, maybe a couple of months down the road, we fail. And so when we think about New Year's resolutions, most of us think failure. And we look at resolutions and somebody says, yeah, I got a New Year's resolution. Or I got a couple of New Year's resolutions. And in our minds, we think that's impossible. You'll never do that. And so I think when we think about resolutions, most of us think about that. We think about failure. We think about not succeeding. We think it's impossible. And I think for some of us in the room, we think the same thing is possible here. We, we just experienced Christmas. And we can get behind the silent night, the O come, O come, Emmanuel, do you hear what I hear, joy to the world, silent night, Mary and Joseph, stable shepherds, Bethlehem. We can get behind all that. And I think our culture as a, as, a, as a whole can get behind that. I was driving to Square in my little small town where I grew up in nowhere, Ohio. And they still have a manger scene on the courthouse square. And I think our culture still can get behind all of that. But when we get to what we're talking about this morning, our culture says, ah, it's a little bit impossible. But I think Christmas proves something to us. Christmas proved that God can and will do the impossible. That Jesus, this baby born in a manger in Bethlehem, is both fully divine and fully human. And he would grow into a man who would live a life like no other. If you got your Bibles, flip over to the book of Hebrews. 
in the New Testament, kind of towards the back. I want to look at a couple of passages of Scripture, one from Hebrews chapter 2. If you've got a Bible app, you can flip your way over there. I want to read a couple of verses from Hebrews this morning. The writer of Hebrews says this in, in chapter 2, verse 17, therefore he, and he's talking about Jesus, he had to be made like his brothers, like us, like humans in every respect so that he might become a merciful and, a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God to make propitiation, which is just a big Bible term for uh, appeasing God's wrath towards sin with his sacrifice. So Jesus had to make propitiation for the sins of the people. The Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews tells us here that Jesus was made like us in every respect. Now, what does that mean? Hold your place there in chapter two. Flip over to chapter four, which is just a page or two over. And look at verses 14 and 15. The writer says this, since then we have a great high priest. And again, he's talking about Jesus who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus was tempted in every way that we have been tempted, yet Jesus did the impossible. Jesus lived a life without sin. Now, did Jesus, fully human, do that because he was fully God? I don't think so. I don't think when it was convenient for Jesus that he just pulled out the God card. He just said, you know what? I'm God. I can handle this. Temptation, no big deal. I'm God. Boom, done. Because that's not how we see Jesus living life. If you were to spend some time in Matthew chapter four, you'd see how Jesus handles temptation, right? We just read Jesus faced every temptation. Well, how did Jesus take, face temptation? Look at Matthew chapter four. How did Jesus face temptation? Satan comes to him. He's in the desert. Jesus is hungry. He wants the pleasure of eating, right? Because being hungry is miserable. And so he comes to Jesus and he says, hey, want pleasure? Make some bread. What does Jesus say? No, I'm God. I'm good. That's not what he says. He answers Satan's temptation. And when Satan comes and tempts him with popularity, when Satan comes and tempts him with power and avoiding the cross, Jesus handles that temptation like a human, not like God. And so the encouragement for us is that I don't know a single person in this room, myself included, who doesn't struggle with one of those three things, power, popularity, or pleasure on a daily basis. And the temptations that come with those Yet the writer of Hebrews says Jesus faced it all, fully human, living in a sinful world. Jesus chose perfection so that we could know perfection. Flip back over to chapter 2. I told you to hold your place there for a moment. Flip back over to chapter 2. Look at what the writer of Hebrews says in verse 14. Why did Jesus do this? Why, 
Why all this effort? Look at verse 14. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all of those who through the fear of death are subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus came to do the impossible. Jesus came, born in a stable, born in Bethlehem, to live as we live, to face what we face, to destroy death so that we could have life. So that you and I could experience eternal life, to live life to the full, here and now, in 2022 and beyond. What better way for God to connect with us in this world but to join us in person? I love the way the message paraphrase translates John 1.14. Listen to these words. The word, speaking of Jesus, became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. He moved into our neighborhood. He saw the glory of God with his, we saw the glory of God with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. So, so what? What does Jesus coming as the son of man predicted in Daniel chapter seven have anything to do with me in 2022? I think your answer is here. Jesus is evidence that God can and wants to do the impossible in you. Jesus can and wants to do the impossible in you. This year, 2022, can be the start of something brand new for you, and God wants to do this in you and in me this year if we'll let him. If we'll let him. So let's put some meat on the bones. How do we put this into action. I realize in this room and online this morning, those who are listening, there's a variety of different people in a variety of different spots, kind of on a spectrum. I tend to think of it in my mind as a spectrum. And I know on one side of the room, there are a bunch of people in this room who have no relationship with Jesus. You walked in here this morning, you scrolled by something on Facebook or YouTube and you stopped and you watched and you're not sure why you did or you came this morning and you're not really sure why you're here but you walked in because it felt right or somebody invited you and you came and you're not really sure why you're here. And this whole God, man thing, son of man, Daniel, I don't really know what's going on happening here. You don't really understand what's going on here this morning and you're not sure why you're here. This morning for you, the action step might be simple. Trust Jesus to do the impossible in your life. This year, today, trust Jesus to do the impossible in your life this new year. If you're ready to take that step, we wanna invite you this morning to trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. If that's you, I'll be down front afterwards. Quentin will be down front afterwards. We'll be hanging out down here. We would love to talk to you about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. If you're not sure you want to walk down here and you want to go out in the lobby, if you go out the doors to my left, to your right, there's going to be a welcome center there. If you walked up and said, hey, I want to talk to somebody about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, somebody there would love to talk to you about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. If you're online this morning, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, you can just type right there in the chat and there's somebody there who will interact with you. We don't want to walk away from this morning, January 2nd, without giving you the opportunity to trust Jesus because there's somebody in this room probably a lot of somebody's in this room that never have. 
Trust Jesus to do the impossible. Take the first step. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a while and you're living the life and you're not really sure what's going on, but you're, you're kind of doing it, but you're kind of not doing it. And so maybe for this year, 2022 is a fresh start for you. Maybe you walked in here this morning because you said, you know what, 2022 is a fresh start. We're gonna do something different. We're gonna do something new. We're gonna get in the right relationship with Jesus. And so maybe for you this morning, the decision that you need to make is you need to make a decision to live 2022 like Jesus did. And that might mean loving your enemies or loving your neighbors, or enduring difficulty, or overcoming temptation. We mentioned the the Matthew chapter four earlier. How did Jesus overcome those temptations? He overcame those temptations with scripture. Jesus, fully God, fully man, quoted scripture to the enemy. That's one of the things I love about Core 52 is that every week, Mark Moore is encouraging us to memorize scripture. And that's a spiritual habit, a spiritual discipline that I think a lot of us don't do very often. And so it's encouraging that, that Mark's doing that. And so if you've fallen off the wagon, if you need to restart, we'd love for you to do that. We'd love for you to join us in memorizing scripture this year. So you have these verses in your heart because you can't make the decision to follow Jesus and live like Jesus did if you don't know what Jesus said, what Jesus did. And so this morning, maybe you need to trust Jesus. Maybe you need to make a decision to live like Jesus. Maybe for some of us in this room, we're thinking, I'm great on those two points. That's awesome. I'm right there with you. Well, this morning, here's something for you. When was the last time you shared the message of the cross with somebody in your life that doesn't know Jesus? When was the last time you did that? Most of us just come out of the holiday season. We probably sat around a dinner table. We sat around the living room with somebody in our lives that we're in relationship with that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. And we know that. When was the last time you shared your relationship with Jesus with somebody in your life? What if this time next year, on January the 2nd, 2023, we're sitting in this room surrounded by a whole lot of people who aren't sitting in this room because you and me and everybody in this room decided to take an effort or make an effort to share our relationship with Jesus with somebody else. And this room is filled with lives that are touched because you made an effort, because I made an effort, because we made an effort to share the message of the gospel with our friends and neighbors and coworkers and the people we hang out at the golf club with the people that we run with and the people that we exercise with and the people that we share family meals with. Share the message of the cross and salvation with one person this year. Find one person in your life and begin to make an investment. See, God is doing the impossible. God's doing the impossible right now in your life, in my life, in this church. And Jesus, the son of man, God in the flesh is evidence that God is doing the impossible in our world. How do I know? Because Jesus, fully God, fully man, son of man came into our world as a baby in Bethlehem. Let's pray. Father God, this morning as we come to this time, Father, I pray that we feel the challenge of your word that these words aren't my words, these words are your words. That this morning, Father, we feel challenged 
and changed. Thank you for sending Jesus into this world. Thank you for sending a baby who would grow up to be a man who would live life as no other person did to take away our sins, to make us new, to give us a fresh start. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org slash messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.